Welcome to The Ride. Life, Work, and Wealth podcast with your host, Chris Rowe. Chris, many years ago, was both a firefighter and a paramedic and witnessed many people not getting another tomorrow, and it shaped who he is now as a financial strategist. Chris doesn't just help people plan for a secure tomorrow, he helps them plan for a better today. Chris lives in Burlington, Ontario, and is an investment advisor at Green Private Wealth, a trade name of Harborfront Wealth Management, an IROC dealer. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Ride Life Work and Wealth podcast with your host, Chris Giroux. Hi, Chris. How are you? Good. Thanks, Wendy. So yeah, so Wendy, today we're going to be talking about our last show, my previous show, we had the Caring Heart Support Network come on and go over how they help the community with the important work they do by providing services to individuals and families, providing grief and caring support for people coming to end of life. Not the easiest thing to talk about, and we a lot of people don't like to think about it, but when that does happen to yourself or a family member, there's definitely resources that are needed. So today I'm going to be kind of going through the more financial side of the end of life planning type checklist and going through that. So looking at the financial side of this for when people are coming to end of life, you got to get stuff obviously organized. And I just wanted to be able to provide a checklist for that. As I mentioned, not the easiest thing here to talk about and nothing is worse than for me when I get a call and it happens each year, at least once from a client saying, especially when I've worked with these clients for many years and they call and say, Chris, I've been told I need to get my fares in order. What do I need to do? Not the easiest thing to hear, but I got to be there to help them get through it because there's a, obviously a whole bunch of things going through their head once they've been told to get their fares in order. And today I'm just hoping that I can give people and families a bit of a guideline or checklist to kind of go through if someone's unfortunate to have to go down this path. So some of the end of life checklist items I'm going to mention, you want to make sure that they're in a safe place and that they're reviewed and they're organized and up to date. As well, I'm going to add, this is not just a checklist for someone that's been told to necessarily get their affairs organized since some of the things I'm going to be going through today is good for just regular estate planning. And uh, it's good for anyone to have these types of things organized. And each and every time, like you may think it's a little excessive, but each and every time I go away for an extended period of time, I have a quick chat with my family reminding them that, okay, here's my will, here's where the POA is, here's where our wealth planner is. And I even just recently did this with my wife, Tina, the other day when I was going away for four days snowmobiling. And like I said, you may think that's a bit excessive, but I've seen the disruption and chaos of what happens to a family when someone unexpectedly or even expectedly passes and things are not organized. And I just would never want my family to go through that because there's going to be a whole bunch of other stresses. So that is why I just like to have even my own stuff organized. And hopefully today I can just give people a few tips to kind of help with that. All right. So Wendy, I'll start going through some of the items. So the first one is no surprise is wills. We all know this needs to be done. Many, many people procrastinate on this, but it is an absolute must. Drawing up a will, it's important regardless of the life stage, regardless of the amount of assets or the likelihood of death or the number of heirs. If you own anything of value that you want to pass on to another, it's always better to decide yourself versus running the risk of having an outsider make the decisions on your behalf once you're no longer here. 
It's also important to note that your will is it's a living and breathing document. It means you can't just set and forget it. it. You need to be making sure that it stays up to date and updating it every few years to reflect any changes uh, that your situation financially or family situations dictate or change. And just by making sure it's up to date, it allows you to remain in control of your assets and to determine how they're going to be distributed. Uh, a couple of the conditions that could cause you to reset your will are getting married or divorced, very big one. Becoming a widow, this is often overlooked, uh, be, even if, if, since the strain of the loss distracts the surviving spouse from getting this done. And statistically, when one spouse passes, unfortunately for elderly couples, it's usually not that much longer till the other passes away. Not in every case, but if you go by statistics, there is a link there. So it's something to be aware of, especially if your parents or grandparents pass away and you know that no will or stuff is in order and there's only a father, mother, grandmother, grandfather left, you want to maybe try and help them to get that organized. Uh, birth of a child or children, of course, is going to dictate for you getting a will done. That's a no-brainer. Marriage or divorce of, a, of your adult child birth of any grandchildren, passing away of siblings. These are just some of the more common examples, but wills, they should be created also too with the guidance of an estate lawyer to ensure that your final wishes are being correctly documented and carried out. It's sure you can grab this, the do-it-yourself your, ones from Staples and things like that, but we always recommend having a lawyer look over it or do it. And once again, it's just vital that this be regularly updated as it acts as the foundation of your estate plan. I remember, I won't say who, but one of my relatives, we were talking about wills and they're like, oh yeah, you'd be so proud of me. It's done. I'm like, great. Where is it? It's in the top of my closet in a shoebox. And I'm like, okay, when was the last time it was done? Oh, it was before the kids were born. So 15 years ago. And I'm like, okay, well, who knows it's up there in the shoebox. And the family member was like, Oh, actually, only I know. So those are things that you want to make sure that it's updated and that other people know the whereabouts of it and it's done. Next thing we'll go on to is beneficiaries. So do all of your registered investments have a name beneficiary? This includes your RSP, an RDSP if you have one, an RESP, the education savings plan, tax-free savings accounts, pension plans. If you have segregated funds, you want to make sure that you have beneficiaries attached to that and then make sure the beneficiaries are who you want to have listed on those because sometimes we get new clients and the beneficiaries, we read them to them after the asked to transferred over and they couldn't believe who the beneficiary was because they realized they never changed it. Your life insurance policies want to make sure that obviously those are updated if you and the beneficiaries are still applicable to who you want to get the, to have those proceeds go to. And have, when's the last time you've actually reviewed your beneficiaries? Has there been any life changes such as a marriage or divorce that could warrant a change to your beneficiary appointments? The, and the beneficiary de designations, they allow for the assets to bypass probate in most cases and pass directly to who you want to go to. So it's very important to make sure that you know who's on there as a beneficiary. And it's also a great money and time saver to have beneficiaries listed because we've all heard the horror stories of people well, maybe you haven't, but I, I've got lots of people not checking this and uh, not updating their beneficiaries, especially when a life transition takes place. 
So we'll just touch a little bit further on life insurance as well. You just want to make sure that you have copies of these policies for the family or the executor to access because now a lot of life insurance companies, they're giving people the option of just providing electronic copies, which is great for convenience. But if you don't have access to the individual's digital files or email, then you may not know that there's even a policy there in existence. So if you have only got an electronic copy, maybe you also want to request physical hard copy to put in your wealth organizer, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, and make sure that there is an actual hard copy so an executor or family member knows. Or you've had the conversation with them letting them know there's an electronic version and where it's stored. The other thing with life insurance is you want to know, does it when does it expire? And this may sound simple, but it's extremely important because Many people have bought in life insurance so long ago and they just forget and assume it's still in place. But a lot of different types of life insurance policies do expire. So you want to check that. And is the amount of coverage, is that still applicable to your individual situation? These are just some of the things that you definitely want to touch on with life insurance. Next important documents is power of attorneys. So if something happens to you, for example, an accident or illness that impacts your ability to make a financial or healthcare decision for yourself, you, you're going to need to know someone or have someone that can make those decisions for you because you just simply won't be capable. You should consider having a power of attorney in place regardless of your age or financial situation. And a power of attorney is what it is. It's a legal document that gives someone you trust the right to make financial or healthcare decisions for you. And in light of that, there is two types. There's powers of attorneys for property, which is the legal authority to have access to bank accounts, finances, sell your house if they needed to, go into a nursing home, all that type of stuff. Powers of attorney for personal, well, that deals with a person who's incapacitated and it would allow the individual to be involved in monitoring medical care for the person that's incapacitated and talking to a doctors or even allowing them to change doctors if necessary for you. The next document, people may not be really familiar with it, but I do want to touch on it. It's called a Do Not Resuscitate Order, a DNR, and it is a document, an important one. This, is, this document's more for an individual towards the end of life. And the question that needs to be answered here is, do you want to pass naturally when the, the time comes or have a medical intervention such as being put in an ICU unit or defibrillated and things like that? At that point, it's a question of quality of life at this stage or, or quantity, and it's something that needs to be addressed. And I will add that if, if someone is towards the end of life and their doctors are they're, they're considering a do not resuscitate order, I will add that you definitely want to make sure that your family is well informed if this document does exist and that they know your wishes. Previous podcasts, um, listeners know that a long time ago, I used to be a firefighter, and I remember an example of this is I was in a living room with a gentleman that was having a heart attack and it was for a big family dinner and he was on the floor and the, my colleagues and I were working on him and there was all kinds of chaos, pushing, shouting of family members all around us, which was very hard to focus on the task of trying to help this individual. And the arguments and the physical altercation was because they did not know that there was a do not resuscitate order and they weren't sure if it was in place. And some family members were saying to help them. Some were saying not to, it was a complete disaster. 
And I always remember that. So it's just really important to make sure that if this is something that you have, that the family knows what your wishes are and that they're aware of. Okay, so financial documents, other things, it's important to make sure that you have these organized as much as possible. It's just not a set and forget area since you'll need to make sure you're updating these and where you keep this list since maybe the values, the account balances and the institutions and names change on these for people if they make changes. So I'm talking about financial documents or statements for things like bank accounts, checking accounts, of uh, your investment brokerages, the like your tax savings accounts, your RSPs, credit cards if you have them, proof of ownership for things like cars, homes, other assets, pension statements, definitely that's an important one. Real estate property documents for like your principal residence, your cottage, rental properties. Actually, the, I'll touch on one thing is if someone wants to go more in depth on keeping the cottage and the family and estate planning around that, I did an episode just on that alone. And that's episode 40, how to keep your cottage and the family reduce your future tax bill. Just thought I'd put that plug in there because that was definitely a very popular episode in regards to cottages. So this list of financial documents I mentioned, it's definitely not It's not an entire list. It just gives you a good start. So it gives you an idea of some of the things that people would need to know the, the whereabouts of to make things a lot easier for them. Same thing with identification documents. Good idea for your family or executor to know where these are, such as like, obviously the driver's license would be in the wallet as long as you know where the wallet is, but things like passport, social insurance numbers, certificate, birth certificate, those are all things that will be needed. So whether you photocopy those and put them in your wealth organizer or wealth binder, or you let your family members or executor know where those are, just things to be aware of. Okay, passwords. I wanted to touch on this because in this day and age, everyone, people know that everyone has online passwords for everything and they're constantly changing since you're required to change them, which is a pain in the butt for everybody. Therefore, it's difficult when someone passes away and nobody has any idea what the passwords are. Now, eventually the family would or executor would be able to get in and reset things, but this takes a whole bunch of time. I'm dealing with a family right now going through this and it has not been easy. So to make things easier, it's good to, if you get a list, great. You got to be very careful where you put that list. It's not like you're going to store it just underneath the coffee table type thing. One thing that makes it easier is an encrypted password keeper where you need only one master password to access everything. I've been using one of these for years. There's a whole bunch of them out there. The one I use is this LastPass, but there's a whole bunch out there. It doesn't matter which one. Just you want to make sure it's encrypted. And why it's such a beneficial thing is I have one master password that will access everything else. And it they are very safe. All right, the next one's wealth organizer. So have I've talked quite a bit today about having a wealth organizer and how important it is to have this or a wealth binder. And we just spoke about many items and documents that you need to have organized. And well, wouldn't that be easier if your family, spouse, executor could just grab one binder and have everything in it? So basically what it is, it's, it's a one-stop place to keep all this essential info and documents for ongoing reference and emergencies. It's not just necessarily for death. And we have clients complete this and we're still working through all of our client lists to make sure that they have our version or their own system. And in our wealth organizer binders, the second last tab is a very important one. Everything's organized very well in it. And we that second last tab is called an estate directory. 
And it has a list of all the important documents and info that we've mentioned today, all organized. So our clients really like these binders. And um, I'll just, Wendy, I'll just give a quick example of this in the early days. I remember doing this for a gentleman that lived on his own and he just really didn't talk to his family about his finances. So I was one of the very few people that knew where everything was. And it wasn't an easy task. He, it, it took a while before he would even go through everything with me, just the type of individual he was. But eventually he did. And I pushed and pushed and pushed. And we finally got a wealth organizer done for him and everything organized in one spot. And I was just very happy to have that done because I know the family had no idea about many items, properties, all this stuff. And then he passed away three months after we did the binder. And I just remember being at the celebration of life and the son was in a circle of friends and knew him, but the son, but by no means I know him well. And when he saw me through the crowd, he walked through the group of people and came over. And I, like, I, I didn't say, I didn't know him very well at all and gave me a hug because he just thanked me profusely for forcing his father to fill that binder out because he had said, I can't even imagine how much of a mess this would have been because he goes, we had no idea about a whole bunch of things that was in that binder. He, they had no clue. And how everything was in one spot, the amount of time that saved them. And I have to admit, after that, I that was it. I was set on educating people on making sure they have these wealth organizer binders because they're just very important to have. So I just wanted to add that because real life examples always kind of put things in more perspective. So one last thing I want to add today is I've been talking mostly about having all your physical possessions and doc and the documentation around that organized. One thing I want to touch on is well. What about the internal possessions? So like, what about the child, what your, what the individual's childhood was like, or how this individual met their significant other, or say, what were your parents? What, what were their parents like? The values that they were taught, the life lessons, the cherished memories, and anything else important to that individual. A lot of wisdom and family history can be lost when a family member passes and I've spoken about this before, but well, I'm talking about a life letter here. These life letters can be done to preserve these treasures. And these letters can be done at any stage of life. It doesn't have to be done when you've been diagnosed with something. And I encourage people to do them, not just the elderly. My wife and I do them to a certain degree. Uh, we do one each year for each, we have three kids and we do one each, every child's birthday, my wife and I each do a letter to the two children on what happened that year in the child's life, the wins, the good, the bad, life lessons, things we went through. And then we put them in a scrapbook and these kids have a letter from each of us for every single birthday that they've had. Just a bit of a different version. I find these are really good to have. My first exposure to this was a long time ago when my grandmother passed. She had left a letter and it was handwritten, a paragraph to each of her children and grandchildren. And I remember my uncle reading it one by one to all of us in the room after the funeral. And it was just, it was a moment I'll never forget because I was just blown away that she had thought to do this and took the time and put all the details in. It's like she was taught, even though obviously it was my uncle reading it, but it was like she was talking to me because of the little quirks and things in the letter. And I'll just always remember that because I'll just cherish that because I could just remember every word of my uncle reading that to me. And it was just really neat to have that done. So 
the, a life letter, what it can be is it can be a letter, a recording, a video, or a combination of any of these. And you can do it for yourself or do one for your parents and interview them. Um, I, uh, my, I did one of these with my dad a while ago. And uh, this is what I did with him after I realized I didn't know, like, I know I knew certain things about our family and the history, but it's like uh, talking in general and like on uh, at the dinner table or at the cottage on the dock type thing. And I'm like, well, I know details, but I don't think I know them as much as I would want to if my kids asked me 10 years from now details about this stuff. I don't think I'd really have the details. So I did do a recording of him and asking him a bunch of questions that was just really neat to go through. And I saved it, recorded it, saved it in three different spots. So that if one gets damaged, I have it because it's extremely valuable to me. And if you want to see the questions I asked, and you can go to our website and under the resource section, at the top of the page, you'll see resources and under downloadable resources, you will see a list of the 51 questions to ask parents before it's too late is what I labeled it. So it's just, a, it's, you don't have to ask 51 questions, but it just gives you an idea of a couple of things that if you want to do this, which I highly encourage you to do, it gives you a bit of a guideline and use whatever media makes it easiest for you to speak to your family in your own voice. And if you want much more detail on this, just you can listen to my previous episode, which is episode seven. It's one of my first ones or early ones, I should say. And episode seven, it is on how to write a life letter. And uh, that's really it for the checklist. It's It will be difficult enough to grieve the loss of a loved one, but scrambling for these financial documents or other documents, it's just going to complicate the grief further. And the basics of estate planning they're unpleasant. It's not just because of the subject, but because it can be tedious work. And it's tedious work under stressful, very stressful times. So use these points I mentioned today to help you stay focused if you have to unfortunately go through this. And yeah, hopefully that there's some information here that will make it easier for someone or a family member in the guidance during this stage. That's it, Wendy. I do love the life letter and what a gift it is that you give to your children every year. I'm sure that they will cherish it for the rest of their lives. Yeah, the life letter. When I did that episode seven, it was pretty cool. We got quite a few comments about that, but like it was just neat going through that with my dad. Cause like there was some things like I had, I thought I, I thought like you just hear the stories as a kid and things. And you, maybe you kind of start to develop them in your own head a different way. Right. And he's sitting there and I'm asking those questions. I'm like, Holy smokes. Like I had no idea. That's not what I thought at all. Yeah. I'm like, how did I change this in my mind to think a completely different version of that? And the neat thing on that was asking some of the things, I don't know, I just got in the mode and there was things I was asking my dad, I just never would have thought to ask, like, have you ever been in jail? What's the worst thing you've done? <laughs> like, <laughs> thank goodness he answered no. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, Chris. Well, thanks so much. We appreciate it. How can we get in touch with you? The best way is always through the website, which is greenprivatewealth.com. And you can contact us through that. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. 
While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.